Hello, guys, and welcome back to this very special Kiev Cultural Changemaker special. I'm, of course, your host and founder of the Interpreting Wine podcast, Lawrence Francis. And while I'm based in London, traveling and uncovering great new places is really part of who I am. And one of my biggest discoveries of the last year has been the city of Kiev, capital of Ukraine. This series of nine interviews was recorded in October 2018 and in March 2019, and I hope captures a sense of not only what's happening in the food and drink scene, touching as it does on wine and local cuisine, but also captures a sense of where the city is heading through design, music and cultural change. I hope that if you or anybody you know is planning to visit to the city, you'll use this series as an audio guide, both to discover fantastic places to eat and drink, and also understand some of the wider cultural context. So here we go, today's episode of the Kiev Cultural Changemaker Special. Today's episode of the Kiev Cultural Changemaker Special features Zhenaya Nikolaychuk of Laika Locals Bar. Zhenaya founded the bar in order to create a space to showcase Ukrainian wine, and the list there is 100% Ukrainian. In today's episode, we hear her wine origin story. She gives us an overview of the state of Ukrainian wine, and we get to hear more about her other wine projects. Enjoy. So my name is Zhenya Nikolaychuk. Uh, actually, I'm working with the wine starting from 2005. So it's 13 years already. So I used to, I started when I was 18. Uh, the first job was like student's job. I was consultating uh, in the shop. So it was like just the, even that was not even the shop. It was like the supermarket. And in 2005, 2006, you have to understand what the Ukraine looks like. That was the time when. Uh, Actually, not a lot of people knew about wine. And uh, when you were like 18 years uh, old girl, uh, you st uh, stayed uh, near the shelves and you knew uh, the glamorous words like Chablis or Bordeaux or I don't know, Elsass. So you looked like very smart at that time. And um, that was like the first job. Uh, then I started to work in the wine importer. Uh, the name was Dolmat Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And we imported uh, like incredible brands. Uh, we imported a lot of uh, top level brands, like for example, Torres from uh, Spain. Uh, we imported like Rothschild from uh, France and Chile. Uh, Master Bradino from Italy and Antinori even. So a lot of like top, top rated. Uh, that was huge experience. And I had really incredible boss, uh, her name was was Christina she was uh, really she was well known in Ukraine and she had a lot of knowledge about wine and she always made a lot of lectures she, stu she studied a lot and uh, then she gave me an idea to go to London in 2011 uh, to receive WSET level 3 so I came I received and uh, in 2013 I studied I started to study my diploma. Uh, I finished it in 2016 or 17. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, and actually, I was one of the first uh, in Ukraine to receive uh, WCT level 4 diploma. Uh, now I'm uh, working in the, I'm still working in the wine business. Uh, I have few projects. Uh, one of it is uh, like wine bar, like a local wine bar. We are, we are three corners here and we're working only with Ukrainian wines. So it's something uh, totally new. 
for Ukraine because uh, let's be let's say truth not a lot of people in Ukraine believe in Ukrainian wines and we are somebody who wants to show that uh, Ukrainian wines exist mm -hmm. that it could be of the good quality not of not of the high level quality but of the normal quality and really good uh, price ratio level uh, I also am working a lot not a lot, but I'm working with um, tourism. I have a project, uh, the name of it is Drink and Travel. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, travel without drink is a little bit boring. Drink without travel <laughs> actually is not so good. And uh, I have, uh, I'm also working in education. Uh, here in Ukraine, we have uh, WCT APP, so so-called so approved program provider. Uh, so we are um, we educated. And uh, I have a project, uh, the name is Wine Inspiration. My inspiration is uh, the board wine game, so it's like uh, it's like the project when you can game and to study at the same time. I know you said you had a few projects on the go, so we'll get to all of those. But I'd like to start with where we're sitting now. So, like a locals, a wine bar just serving Ukrainian wine. It sounds fascinating. Um, what I'd love for you to give the listeners and to give me is, is really yeah, a, an overview of what is Ukrainian wine, what, what is happening there, and, and then bring that back to what is the list here, what have you chosen to serve here. So we started in 2016. That was the 1st of September 2016 when we opened the first bar. Uh, then uh, the 2nd of September 2017 we opened the second bar. So we hope <laughs> that on the third of uh, sort of December 2018, maybe we will open the third one. Let's see. Yes, but uh, we are the first uh, ever wine bar. I mean, wine bar uh, to work only with Ukrainian wines uh, because usually. For Ukraine, wine bars are the new one because we had rest. We had a lot of restaurants, we had a lot of pubs, we had a lot of cafes. But wine bar is something more or less new. Uh, here we work only with Ukrainian wines, um, and uh, our main uh, like audience, uh, our main customers are quite young people, 80% actually girls, <laughs> and uh, we want to show that uh, Ukrainian wines. As I, as I said before, they exist. Uh, what is about Ukrainian wines at all? Uh, let's say I already said that uh, not a lot of people believe in it. Uh, because, uh, for example, from 100% of Ukrainian wines, I would recommend you only 3 or 4%. So Ukrainian wines only starting to be... To be okay, <laughs> let's say, because uh, 10 years ago that was total disaster. It was impossible to drink, but now more and more we started to understand it. More and more winemakers starting to study as well, uh, and uh, it's like you know, like a quest <laughs> to, to find a good bottle of wines. And uh, now we have a wine list with more or less 13 producers and uh, more or less. 40 different wines. Uh, what else is interesting about Ukrainian wines? We have more or less 35,000 actors here in Ukraine uh, with vineyards, and only 
50 wineries, so 5-0. So let's say we, we are not mm. talking about that small wineries which we have in Italy or in Spain mm. or in, in France. And uh, the biggest part of it even don't bottle this wine, uh, their wines. So usually, maybe even five, six years ago, they uh, produced a lot of wine bulk and they sell a lot to Crimea, for example. Unfortunately, now we don't have any connections with Crimea and we are not allowed even here to sell any Crimean ones. Of course, that is a that is huge uh, disaster for us because Crimea had uh, the better microclimates. Uh, mm. Actually, they produced the, the best ones there. Mm. Uh, so now, uh, in Ukraine, without Crimea, uh, we have more or less 50 wineries, as I said before, and um, those who sell wine in the bulk, uh, they're starting to think, okay, what shall we do right now? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them starting to, to bottle. So actually what is going on now in Ukraine, that was, that was the story of, I don't know, Spain or Italy in the 70s mm-hmm. or, or 80s. Unfortunately, we are in the end <laughs> of it. And uh, we, don't, we almost don't have any local grapes. We have only three or four. Uh, if uh, one day you will be in Ukraine, please try to find, for example, Odessa black grape or another one, interesting one, Tiltikuruk, uh, so really hard name. <laughs> but but uh, if you will find it, it's very interesting. Uh, you also can can try to find another one, grape, Sucholimansky. So it's actually, it's almost what about local grapes. And then we have a lot of international grapes like Cabernet, Merlot, Pinot Noir, of course, uh, Chardonnay or Sauvignon. And... Uh, Another one interesting, uh, another one interesting feature of Ukrainian, uh, let's say not even wine, but customers. Uh, usually, the old people uh, they don't drink. Actually, we don't have here culture, wine culture of drinking wine every day. For a long time, uh, to drink wine for Ukrainians was like uh, something for for the holidays, for some. Uh, I don't know, special moments and so on. So we don't have that tradition. And here in the bar, we try to make uh, people like that to say them, that to drink one or two glasses of wine per day, that's okay. That you can go home and like to have one glass of wine as a party one and and so on. So it's something new and usual Mm -hmm. for Ukrainians. And uh, that's why I think uh, you can see here in our bar, usually you would see young people. So usually you wouldn't see any old people. It's totally not the same as London. And another one interesting feature that, uh, for example, in London, when you will come to, to the bars, I don't know, on Monday, Tuesday, usually it's very crowded. Here in Ukraine, people drink uh, like on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes on Wednesday. <laughs> so, so usually it's quite, it's quite limited one. It is fascinating hearing you talk because... You know, this is really one of the reasons I started doing the podcast is to bring information out there and really give it to people in an accessible way that, you know, I don't think it's so readily available. So it's, it's really great to hear you talking. What I think would be helpful is actually to delve a bit deeper into that two to three percent you said are in in Ukraine as it is now and are making the quality. And that might just be exploring us and taking us through the list here you know what are the regions where are those grapes best grown where is the best example to look for yeah just give us a bit of a guide to the two to three percent or the wine list here 
so what do I actually like about Ukrainian wines? That I'm I'm the person of the process. So I like to be in the process. So now we in Ukraine we are like the part of the history. Unfortunately, we don't. We can't say that. Uh, for example, when I drink fr- uh, French wines or Ital- Italian wines, I, I totally understand that I already have the result of the um, uh, of the job of people who made it and or used to make it for a long time. So now in in Ukraine, what is in- interesting, especially for me, that uh, as I already said, it's like a quest. Uh, so, for example, you have uh, the winery. And uh, I, I tried uh, their wines, for example, let's say one year ago, and it was totally disaster. Okay, the next year <laughs> we tried it, and okay, we find the two like like two two samples of wines. And when you started to you started to to speak with the wineries, they said yes. Uh, the previous year we changed uh, our enologist, we changed our winemaker, we bought uh, the new equipment, for example, and now we like uh, we changed a little bit. And uh, th- th- this this is what I like about it that you always like uh, like it's it's interesting one. Um, what else about Ukrainian wines? So here in Ukraine we have like few main regions. Uh, the one is Odessa, one of the biggest one and maybe the most uh, like famous one. Uh, then we have Nikolaev region and Kherson region. So all three regions uh, is the southern part of Ukraine. Uh, and then we have the western part of Ukraine, the regions like Transcarpathia region, uh, maybe you heard such name like Uzhgod, it's the name of the city, or Berigovo, it's also very famous wine-making uh, uh, city uh, there. Uh, if we will talk about Odessa region, originally 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was the place to grow a lot of wines, uh, to receive the huge yields, uh, and to produce a lot of bulk wines. Mm-hmm. And um, when we will talk about Western Ukrainian, uh, there, uh, an interesting thing, uh, there we have only two official wineries, but more or less, I don't know, maybe 50 or even 100 so-called unofficial what do you mean unofficial? Here in Ukraine, we, to produce wines, you have to receive license. Uh, even three type of license. Uh, the first one is the license for production. It costs not so much money. It costs more or less, I don't know, 20 or 30 euro per year. But to receive it, you had to receive more or less 150 different documents. So huge bureaucracy. And... Not a lot of wineries, especially the little ones, small ones, uh, the, the wineries who makes, I don't know, 5,000 bottles or 10,000 mm. bottles, they just don't want it to, to bother with it. So they produce a little bit, they sell it to the tourists, for example, on the western part, because the western part is like a touristic place, and then they don't bother. But three, three or four months ago, the things changed. And our president, he signed the new law. And this new law eliminated uh, these 150 different documents. So now they have to receive two or three. And uh, it should be much more easier. And we believe then the next, uh, I don't know, five years, one, two, three, five, or even ten years, here we will, we will have the boom 
or the winemaking and we believe that uh, the biggest part of the winemakers they will receive this license they will become an official one and they will start uh, to produce and to sell official and that because for example let's say about my bar here in my bar i can sell only official producers that's why i said to you about this three four percent i can sell wines all the wines i like because some of them just not official one that's why it's like it's like impossible but we hope that the next few years uh, the things will will change and uh, western part as for me is much more interesting in terms of microclimate it's like a lot of different zones, a lot of different mm-hmm. regions, and uh, they are more like historical one, because uh, the western part it used to be uh, Austrian part, Hungarian part, so it, it was not uh, mm-hmm. Ukraine mm-hmm. in the previous years, and uh, they had this European history. Uh, that's why I think they they also interesting because they had uh, these historic uh, grapes, uh, even some techniques and so on. If we will talk about uh, the western part of Ukraine, uh, it's definitely uh, more interesting to try white wines, uh, especially aromatic one. For example, different kind of muscat, and uh, even Ukrainian people like to drink semi-sweet or sweet wines. On the west part of Ukraine, in Transkarpatia, they produce really good dry muscats. Uh, they also have a lot of draminers there. Uh, they have uh, the grape, which is called Irshai Oliver. It's also like the historical one. They have another one interesting, which is Chersigi. It's more Hungarian. It's even not Ukrainian, but uh, they also grow it there. Um, and sometimes uh, you can find uh, even interesting Sauvignons, but with Sauvignons, it's better to try to find because not every uh, winery can produce it really good. And totally not, uh, it's better not to compare Ukrainian Sauvignons with New Zealand one. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. totally, totally different because of the climate and so on. And uh, if you will go to Odessa region or just to the south Mm -hmm. uh, part of the region, um, it's interesting to try Odessa Black, which is our local grape variety, and uh, sometimes you can find really good Cabernet or Merlot, but it, but uh, you should know the specific wineries. Uh, the problem we have uh, on the south of Ukraine uh, is uh, the problem in the climate. What do I mean? That uh, traditional one, traditionally we are like cool climate region, mm-hmm. uh, but Cool climate is not so proper <laughs> uh, descrip- uh, description of, the, of our climate because uh, in summer, in July or August, sometimes we have really high temperatures, like 38, 39, even 40 degrees. And uh, during this time, as you know, that uh, the ripening uh, of the grapes, it just stops. And then in the autumn, when the temperature like uh, uh, fall. Uh, the rain starts, so that means that sometimes, uh, and they start when the, when the rain starts, they try to harvest as as quick as possible so that not to uh, 
so that to have at least some grapes. That's why sometimes uh, in Ukraine, uh, the typical thing about uh, Ukrainian reds uh, is to have the, this uh, uh, unripe, uh, unripe things like beetroot uh, in, in, in aroma, some uh, red currant and so on. That's why in Ukraine it's better to know <laughs> the, specific, uh, the specific vintage and the specific winery. Uh, but uh, some local grapes could be really good. I'm really uh, appreciating your honesty. It's, it's it's like you know, really for me, uh, the, you're striking a balance between realism, you know, just le- letting people know what the situation is now, but then also optimism. It, it's like as you say, you know, things are changing, you know, and uh, actually hearing you talk about the potential boom in the wine industry here, why not? You know, I, I've seen and I've, I've been following what's been happening in Georgia, you know, the the number of wineries that's happened there. And, you know, it's essentially come from such a low level. Um, and I see the influence of Georgian wine in England. You know, I was visiting a winemaker in, in England the other week and he has Georgian quavery. So in, English winemaker using Georgian quavery and the the techniques that that originated there so you know why why not here in Ukraine, we also have uh, like this quavery boom, <laughs> and mm. uh, some winemakers they trying to produce, and uh, you can find here really good quality orange wines as well. And yes, if we will compare, like let's say Moldova, Georgia, mm. uh, what is going on right now in Ukraine? It it was like uh, the Georgia or Moldova ten or five years ago. So. Really, in Ukraine, we have huge potential. And uh, you said the, about the future. Okay, can I start yeah, <laughs> about the future? So in future, I want to have uh, my own vineyards and my own winery. I'm interested in the best part. And uh, I would say that uh, if I've, I would be an investor, I would definitely invest in Ukraine. Okay, we have some political things and so on. But let's say, because uh, here in Ukraine, we have huge potential. We have only that 50 wineries, from the, from which we can speak about only, I don't know, 10, 13, maybe 15. And uh, the first one, uh, if you will do at least something here, so it would be like, like a boom, so everybody will speak about it. Mm-hmm. So it's so easy now to, to do something. It's, it's still quite cheap. Uh, to, to buy land, for example, and so on. It's still quite cheap uh, to find some uh, people, profes- uh, not professionals, but people. We have problems with professionals, yes, because unfortunately our educational system is not so good. Uh, the, we almost don't have that uh, good uh, good people with, with a lot of knowledge. Uh, usually it's all those who received knowledge in some other countries. For, for example, here in Ukraine, we have two winemakers, uh, Alina Tenetka and Masha Skotchenko. They used to receive their knowledge in New Zealand, in USA, in France, in Germany. And now in Ukraine, they are the top, top, top rated winemakers uh, because they have this experience, they have this, uh, this knowledge. Or another one, Another one way is uh, just to receive the consultation from uh, other countries, for example, like to hire Mm. somebody from Mm. France Mm. or somebody Mm. from Italy. Mm. It is the same as, for example, in Spain or Italian people do 10 years ago. Uh, 
and what else? Uh, now in Ukraine, uh, we, study, uh, we, we started uh, the, pro- uh, the project, which is called uh, GI uh, in Ukraine, uh, Geographical Indications in Ukraine, uh, because unfortunately we still don't have uh, this good and understandable uh, system of geographical indications. Unfortunately, we still use in Ukraine names like Champagne, like Cognac, like Heres or Madeira, but we have uh, 10 years period uh, due to uh, Ukraine-European Union agreement uh, to stop (laughs) to use it. And then uh, we try to to make our own geographical indication, and actually uh, I'm... uh, 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 I'm the part of the project. Uh, I'm cooperate a little bit uh, with with this project. I'm like national expert, and we working a lot with uh, winemakers to establish our own geographical indications. Like for example, let's say Transcarpathia wines. Uh, what what do we have to do to establish it and to write uh, good? Uh, so-called specifications of the ones because for right now all of them write any indicate geographical indications on the name but uh, on the label but uh, everybody do what they want Uh, there is uh, no specified grapes no specified techniques no specified techniques on the vineyards Uh, so we have to like to make some rules (laughs) because uh, when will you have when uh, you will have any rules so I believe it will lead to good quality. Uh, so everything just starts in Ukraine, and I think it's a good sign to, to do something here. Really, the last question for me is, again, you know, looking forward, um, yeah, I guess bring us up to speed as well, but also then look forward for drink and travel and wine inspiration. Uh, so... I have another one project. The name is Drink and Travel. Uh, so it's about uh, tourism. It's about traveling around wine regions. Uh, so usually, usually we do like uh, four, maybe sometimes five trips per year. And uh, first, that was an idea just to gather together my friends, uh, people who wants to to, to look uh, through the vineyards, uh, to go to the wineries. Uh, so that was like a fun. It's still a fun, <laughs> but I hope that uh, sometimes it would be a business as well. Uh, we used to visit like Portugal, Germany, Italy, France, uh, Spain. So different, really different uh, regions. Uh, we try to visit not only the, f- the famous one like, uh, I don't know, Burgundy or Bordeaux yeah. or Rioja. This year we also visited like Mallorca, for example. Mm-hmm. So... It's not, it's not everybody know about Mallorca wine because uh, usually they sell uh, everything on the island and uh, they don't export. That's why that was interesting. We visited Georgia and a lot of quavery, 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 quavery. <laughs> it was everywhere. Uh, this uh, this year, uh, the, one of the most incredible trips was uh, to Portugal to Douro Valley. That was something unbelievable. I have never seen such a beauty. Uh, the Mosel as well, really beautiful wineries. And for me it's important because uh, when you're traveling all around the wine regions, uh, you see and you speak with a lot of people. You drink, uh, not drink, you taste <laughs> different different kind of wines. Uh, you, you listen different philosophy. 
And it's very important for me because I'm working with Ukrainian wines. And for me, it's important like to to realize um, what is really going on in Ukraine so that I can compare, for example. So not to, to be like, uh, we said, in the rosé glasses. Mm. <laughs> but I, I want to, like, to understand, uh, to be more realistic one. Uh, that's why for me it's very important. And... Uh, what do I like most? Uh, it's really fun, and uh, I believe that it's a really good feature when you do business, not business, <laughs> but at mm. the same time, it's something which gives you like satisfaction. Uh, yes, the people who comes with me to do the trips uh, usually they are quite young people, uh, the people who are interested in. Sometimes it's professionals, so sommeliers, or people who works in the restaurants. Sometimes it's just. The, the, the tourists, like wine enthusiasts, uh, who wants to know a little bit more about wines, who wants to understand uh, what does Riesling, for example, mean, or what is the difference between, I don't know, the Southern Rhone and uh, the Northern one. Um, so it's totally different uh, kind of peoples, but uh, people who love wine, definitely. So my inspiration, uh, it's my project. I've started, so in 2014, I used to work in the office in the import company. And uh, in that time, I totally understand that I don't want to return in the office anymore. <laughs> so I have to, I have to find something to, for me to do in the future. And uh, my main uh, duties or how to say responsibilities yeah. responsibilities uh, in the office was like make trainings uh, to study people uh, to find information about wineries so it was like something in between uh, like teaching and marketing so on my lectures and uh, on my tastings uh, I've uh, I've saw two types of people uh, the first one uh, was those who who thought that they knew everything about wine. So when they heard uh, the common word, like, for example, Chablis, they were like, oh, I know, what does it mean? I know that Chablis is Chardonnay, so they, they show mm. that they know something. And uh, I saw another one type of people, uh, people who, like, were very shy, <laughs> because, for example, they didn't understand why Sommelier says that he feels like I don't know, apricot uh, in the nose because they didn't feel it or mm. why sommelier like sniffies or why mm. why he swill it. Mm. So they were very shy. So I decided to make like uh, the wine game, the board wine game, mm. uh, which will connect <laughs> these two types of people. So first of all, you still have an opportunity to study, but at the same time, it's a game, so you can you can win or not. So, what is uh, what is an idea of, of the game? So, you have the board, uh, and you have uh, like the cards, uh, the cards with the questions. Uh, the cards are three three levels: the easiest one, the medium one, and the hardest one. Uh, in the easiest one, you received questions like, for example, uh, the sommelier in the restaurant gives you a cork. What will you do with it? So you will eat it, you will sniff it, or you will take it at home. Uh, so it's quite easy. And uh, the hardest questions are like, uh, for example, um, the main grape variety in Cotrati, 
is like Syrah, Grenache, or I don't know, Cabernet. So you you should you should know a little bit. So you have uh, if you want to to play this game, you gather with your friends. It could be professionals, but it's even better when it's people who who know mm-hmm. nothing about wine. It's much more funny. Uh, so you gather together, you divide it on the groups. Usually it's like two, three people in the group. Uh, and then you choose the card. It's better when you do it in the, in the blind so that you don't see uh, what level uh, what level of question will you receive. And uh, then if you... Uh, so uh, you read the question. In case you answer the right way, you put the dice and then you go... Th- th- through the board in case you gave the wrong uh, answer you will drink okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in this uh-huh. in this case uh, in case you know something so you you move through the board in case you know nothing you just drink and usually people are quite happy <laughs> <Either way. laughs> yes and uh, then you have uh, of course you have like the book with uh, with the answers so through the game you can study as well uh, usually in the end of the game, people know what does, for example, Zuckerberg and Auslese mean, or which grape variety is the most important in Bordeaux, or different things. For right now, I propose it only as a service for like team buildings, for uh, fun, I don't know, birthdays, or like the time spent, like, like the spending of the time. But in the future, I hope I will sell it as, as a game, <laughs> as the normal game. But it will be in the future. Thank you so much, Anaya. I couldn't think of anybody else that I'd want to be kicking off this special series. And being as some time has passed since the interview, Janaya has, of course, now opened a third Leica Locals location in Kiev. Do be sure to check out the website and main social media handles for Leica Locals below. This is, of course, a fantastic time to subscribe to Interpreting Wine so that you catch all of the episodes from the series. To learn more and to subscribe, please head to interpretingwine.com slash listen. And in the next episode of this series, I'll be sitting down with Andrei Pigolevsky of the Skiffian Oyster Farm. See you then.